So, good morning. It's good to be together. Good to be starting something new this morning. Um, uh, starting beginnings. And it's still pretty early in the year. It's January 14. Um, so I suppose technically we're probably on the edge of it even being acceptable to say Happy New Year anymore. Right? It's kind of... Yeah. Um, you know, you're, not, you're supposed to move on, right? So um, my daughter and I share a birthday, and it was yesterday, and uh, uh, some pictures were taken, and I thought, oh, that'd be great to share those somewhere, but then I saw, oh, we're, we have the Christmas tree up still. I'm not sure if people would really be scandalized or just really concerned. Uh, anyway, so... You know how it is, we, we move on quickly, but it's still early in the year, and it's a good time to think about beginnings. And that's what we're going to be doing um, this morning in particular as we begin beginnings. And I really want to profoundly encourage you to grab a, a copy of this. Um, I know 10 bucks is something you can do, and I know that this book is going to help you engage, and it's different than just grabbing your Bible and trying to follow along on your own. The, the version is one we're reading in common, New Living Translation, which is both a scholarly translation but also a profoundly understandable version of the Bible. And I think you'll find it uh, to be a great experience. I have a friend here this morning who thinks it's just the best thing there is, uh, just a fantastic translation. And, and it looks more like a book, and, and I think you'll experience it that way, and we want to do that. We want to read old words that maybe you've read before, and maybe some of you have read Genesis through Deuteronomy a whole bunch of time, times in your lives. There are people who seek to read the Bible, the whole Bible, every year. That's their, that's their pattern. Uh, they're a small minority. There's a fair number of us who've never actually traversed these, these pages before. We've not done the whole thing. We've started... That's something else about beginnings. We've started, and somewhere along the line, we just fell off the track. But we want to encourage you to join together, and let's get moving together, and let's just keep going all the way through. And if some of you find, you know what, it's going to take me longer, it's fine. If some of your groups are going to take longer to, to, uh, to meet and talk about, that's okay. But the thing is to open up our lives and our minds to what God wants to say to us through the the oldest part, perhaps the oldest part of his word, just about. The, the part that tells us about the oldest period of time, the foundational story for our faith. This morning, we're just going to read a little portion of that. And so to, um, to do that right now, I'm going to ask that the words are, are put up on the screen. Uh, these are from the story of Noah. And I'm going to ask you to stand right now as we honor God's word and listen to it this morning. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and with his wife and his son's wives. And all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land, came out of the ark, one kind after another. 
And then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and the dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky and every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each human being, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by human shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's be seated. All right, beginning of a year is a chance to do something all over again. That's one of the things that people like about it. Uh, Any of you like fresh starts? Any of you ever screw up anything and want a second chance? Anybody ever want to forget some experience in the past and have a chance to do it all again? That's, uh, for a lot of people, it's a brand new year. It's a clean slate. I have a chance to get it right this time. Um, We... We like to begin again, new beginnings. Um, We kind of do that with our technology. What's your number one approach to problem solving when something's not working right on your phone or your computer? You can't figure out. What do you do? You you, you restart it, okay? I mean, doesn't that work extraordinarily well? The thing is, it doesn't always work in the end, but it frequently gives a reset and a restarting and gets it going in the right direction. Um, human beings like fresh starts because we think that from them something new and different and profound is going to come. Um, the fresh start is really the story of Noah in so many ways. Noah's a grown man. I got to tell you, you read, you read these early chapters as you will this week, and it's astounding what Genesis tells us about how long some people lived. Noah was 600 years old, and God looked, at the time Noah was 600, God looked all around the world that he had made. And as that video told us a few moments ago, God wasn't pleased with what he saw. Um, there was probably something that angered God. There is something like anger in God. Anger against what is wrong and against what is evil. Have you ever felt that? You ever get angry about something that's wrong? You ever get angry when someone wrongs you? You ever get angry when something is really evil and you see it? Of course you do. Maybe that's a sign of the image of God in you. The God of the Bible doesn't like things that are bad. And And so anger is real, but the overwhelming emotion, if you will, that God seems to express when he looks at the world that he has made now many, 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 many years after he had originally made it. 
And he particularly looked at the human world. The people he'd made like himself, the creatures who were made in his image, made to be like him somehow, made to, to mirror him, to rule the, uh, the world and to lead the earth in his place and in his stead. He looked at them and he was sad. He was sad. I was talking to a friend the other day and he talked about, told me about a situation in the life of one of his kids. A bad situation. And I said, did you get angry? He said, no, I didn't get angry. I just got sad. That's what God was feeling when he looked out at that world. And in the midst of all that world, God saw one person who stood out. Noah. Noah. Noah was different. Um, Noah found favor with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. And in various things, the, the, the words that we read in that story as we followed along, we find that there is something different about Noah, that Noah listens, and Noah follows instructions. A lot of people listen, a lot of people follow instructions, but they listen to lots of things and follow lots of different instructions. But what made Noah just a little bit different was he didn't listen first and foremost to, the own, uh, to his own intentions and his own feelings and his own drive. And he didn't listen first and foremost to the voices that were all around him. Instead, he listened to God. And he honestly sought to do what God said. And, and it, it seems to happen that way. Noah found favor with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Noah about a plan he had. A plan to start something all over again. And Noah listened, and Noah did what God asked him to do. In the course of the next year or so, from the time he was 600 to 601, the judgment of God came over the face of the earth. Life as we know it, if we'd been there, was wiped out. God saw that there was evil and violence and all manner of inclination to everything wrong was present in every human life. Not some, but everyone. In every community. Not some, but every community. In every political party. In every leader. and every follower. In every family. In every culture. Oh, maybe in some ways there was someone better than someone else. One town better than another, in real ways, measurable. But nonetheless, God saw that everything was, and everyone was so deeply infected that he wanted a fresh start. And so Noah and his family and the animals they grabbed got on that ark. And in the course of weeks and months, God's judgment came. And then the ground was dry. And then that story we read where God gave to Noah a command to start all over again. He said to him the very same thing he said to Adam and Eve way back when. I want, you to, I want you to live. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fill this earth. I want you to begin something again on this planet that will please me and honor me. Here's the thing. Beginning again by itself doesn't work. Because do you know what? There's still something deeply wrong. And even though Noah was a, was a man who found favor with the Lord, Noah wasn't perfect. 
And even though Noah's sons and his wife and, and their family was probably in lots of ways markedly different than the culture and the people and the community around them that they'd, they'd lived among for so many years, nonetheless, there was something broken in that family too. And so it wasn't very long after the, the floodwaters were gone, after the ground was dry, after they moved out and they started living life again and building a new town and, and, and building a new civilization, that things went wrong. You can read the story this week. It's even a little confusing. The bottom line I can tell you is just that what happened in Noah's family was the first sign that it wasn't really a new world. You can't just change everything by starting all over again. Some years ago, a friend of mine, I was talking with him and finding out the story of his life a little bit. His parents had broken up a young man, and he told me, um, he was just referencing uh, his parents, and then he talked about one of them. And the way he talked, I was a little confused, and I said, so how many times has your mom been married? And he said, she's been married five times. Do you know what that sounds like to me? A hunger to begin again. But beginning again by itself doesn't make everything new. Because you know what we can't get away from, among other things? Can't get away from ourselves. And when we connect with anybody else, do you know what we, who we will never connect with? We will never connect with anybody who's not substantially like us in this way. That as good as they are, as good as we are, there's still deep, deep problems inside of us. Just starting again, just having a New Year's resolution, just changing the calendar number doesn't make life better and all different. It takes more than that. Even if God's involved, God's encouragement and God's command and God's direction, we don't quite get it right. In the early chapters of Genesis, we find a number of beginnings, a number of beginnings that don't pan out, that don't work very very well. After Adam and Eve are pushed out of the garden, Adam and Eve start a family. (laughs) That's what God had told them to do in the first place. Be fruitful and multiply. Share life together. Enjoy each other. And give birth. Have children. And they did. And it wasn't long before one son killed another. And that was just the beginning of so many patterns, particularly horrible, picture particularly horrible um, action, but nonetheless a picture of what happens in so many lives, in all lives, in all families, in all situations. To me, the, the, the ultimate beginnings in the first chapter, uh, chapters of beginnings are found at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 1 begins like this. You even know it, don't you? The very first sentence of the Bible. Can you say it with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God started something. Nobody else had done it before. It, 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 matter and the universe was not eternal. It hasn't always existed. There are people who think that. But I think I'm here to tell you. I don't think that's true. There's one who's eternal. There's one who's always been. And that's God himself. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There was a time when there was nothing else, when God alone existed. In the beginning, at that time, God created. 
the heavens and the earth. Uh, can I paraphrase that? In the beginning, God created everything there is. The universe boggles our imagination, stretches our understanding. It's beyond what our minds can really compute or, or grasp or understand. God created everything there is. Without God, there would be nothing else. In the beginning, God created. And wow, did he create. Wow, did he create. He spoke and light. And stars and suns and moons and planets. But this planet in particular. The focus of Genesis is definitely on what God does here. Is the earth the center of the universe? People used to think so. We know it's not. Look at the universe. There isn't a center to the universe. Not at least that we can understand scientifically. And yet in the story of the Bible, it seems to be this. That the God who created everything chose one tiny little place, one speck in that huge universe. And on this one planet, cared intensely about what happened here. Above all else. God created this place. And he created life. And that life began to unfold and develop and grow and uh, explode. Uh, listen to these words. I, I love them. The, if, you, if you have your book along, I'm reading at the top of page 4, uh, verse 19 of chapter 1. Then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. I remember when I was 11 years old, my family had gone to um, Florida for the very first time. It was uh, Christmas vacation, winter vacation. We'd gone down. And uh, it wasn't nearly warm enough. Uh, Disney World with the winter coat is what I remember from my first experience at Disney World. But we went all the way down, and one day we got up very early. We were camping in a trailer, and we got up very early, and we went to the Everglades, Everglades National Park. This was a long time ago. Got up, had read about it and heard about it. But we got up, we got in the car. It was still dark when we got in the car and drove to this particular site. And the sun was just coming up. And we looked out, and there were, it was impossible to imagine how many birds were there. It was incomprehensible. If you and I had, had come to the United States, the land that is America, and we had been here, uh, say, 200 years ago, plus, and we'd gone out to the west, there are places where we would have seen animals and we would, they, they would have been running across places and we wouldn't have been able to count them. Uh, this is as close as I get here, but sometimes when I'm driving on uh, 196 from the east side of town towards church or to, in this direction, and I'm going over the, the, the bridge, over the river, right in the middle of town, I see you know the birds I'm talking about? That's the closest I get to a swarm. But they, they impress me. That God created and he loved what he created. There was, there, there was richness and there was um, an explosion of life. 
And when God looked at it, um, the Bible tells us that he saw that it was very good. One um, uh, Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, says this, that the sense of the Hebrew is more along the lines of this. When God saw all that he had made, he found it to be just gorgeous. God loved what he did. G.K. Chesterton, a British writer from a century ago, thinks that there's something in God that's childlike when it comes to creation. Uh, Because children, Chesterton wrote, because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, they want things repeated and unchanged. Do it again, they always say. And the grown-up person does it again and again and again until he is nearly dead. There is a young man who I saw earlier this morning, who uh, tries to get me to do the same thing again and again, and I will eventually die from it. I I honestly think so. Um, Kids love that experience. (coughs) Excuse me. Grown-ups are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening says, do it again to the moon. And maybe the reason God makes all daisies alike is because although he makes every daisy separately, he never gets tired of making them. It may be that God has the eternal appetite of infancy. Even today, I think we should see the wonder of what God did when he began things. And he began things in all of his creation, but also when he made human creatures, people like you and me, that God saw that it was just gorgeous. It was so good. Wow. But then something went wrong. And what was God going to do? How was he going to make it right? What was going to happen? Because when God created the world and created the universe and created the earth and created human beings, he gave them a a freedom, a freedom to choose, a freedom to listen and obey, a freedom to be mostly like Noah, To hear what God has to say and and follow his directions or not. To listen to what God says or to try to define things for ourselves. To have God as God or to have me as God. Now you and I both know, we all know, that that's a struggle that every one of us has. Because we don't always want to listen to God. Right? Right? We like to call show. We don't like other people telling us what to do. And we don't always like God to do. And once the, the world was like that, wow, there came the day when God looked and God was sad, filled with sorrow. He started things again with Noah. But you know what? The same kind of pattern started repeating itself. And so God took the initiative to do something brand new, something different than he'd ever done before, Sounds so simple, but this is what it sounds like. Genesis chapter 12. I'll start at the end of chapter 11. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. And Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. And the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, 
I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Abram, God came to Abram one day, and Abram didn't really know what it all meant, what God said to him. I want you to get up from where you are. Get up from your life. Get up from your home. Get up from your own town, from your own family, from your own society. And I want you to go somewhere else. I have a different life for you and a special place. You have no kids. I'm going to make you into a great nation. All he had to do, had to go on, was the word God had given. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what Abram did that day. God came to him and said, Abram, I want you to get up and leave. I'm going to bless you. And through you, I'm going to bless the world. This morning, we're going to, or this coming week, we're going to talk a lot more about that family, Abram's family. But I quickly want to think with you about just a couple of things to take away from the earliest part of Genesis. The first is this. The most important character in the story, the most important character in the universe, and the most important character in your life and mine is not you or me. It's God. The whole book begins like this. In the beginning, God. That's key. That's so key. When beginnings happen on our own, when beginnings happen from other leaders, when beginnings happen any other way, doesn't work. It's not right. God is the only one who can give a true, fresh, new beginning. The story's about him above all else. If you want a hint of that, just let me remind you of what we do when we worship. When we come together and sing, we do not sing praise to each other. Okay? I know some of you go to sporting events and you sing the fight songs of schools. So you sing for, you sing for a university every once in a while. Right? Nobody? Okay. All right. So we do that a little bit. But, but we, we get it when we worship. We get it when we sing. We don't come here to sing praise to ourselves. We sing praise to God. God is God. In the beginning, God. Fresh starts are good. And they can make a difference. They can make a difference in life. But they can't make everything right. A fresh start a new beginning, a new opportunity, a brand new year, a clean slate can make a difference to help me make certain changes in my life or to help a country make certain changes in its existence and the way it operates and treats people. All for the good. But those are still little beginnings. They don't change everything. The problems that God saw in the world when Noah was here still exist in your life, my life, and in our country, and in our world. The world changed. What was just so gorgeous and so very good when God created it was never the same after Adam and Eve decided to start calling shots for themselves instead of trusting God. We can't get away from that. Third thing I want you to know and understand is God cares about every person. And let me just keep it limited this morning. God cares about you and me. 
He loves you. He created you. He intended you. You matter to him. You matter because God matters. And the kind of God we worship is the kind of God who cares about us, who creates the world, who loves the people he created, who feels sorrow when we screw up and when we do wrong and bad because it is not good for his glory or for us or for anyone around us. That is all good. God cares about each one of us, but do you know how he promises to change your life? He is not going to come to you and whisper in your ear and give you a unique message he has given to nobody else. He doesn't even say to us, I'm going to pay a special visit to each person on the planet, so you don't need to pay attention to anybody else because I'll deal with you on your own. You don't need to worry about anybody else because I'm going to deal with you on your own. You're going to be able to find me all by yourself because that's what you want to do. That's not how God created the world and that's not how God operates with us. By the way, did God create you? Yes, he did. But did he create you directly? No. He used a mom and dad. He's always done it. It's his plan. God touches our lives through others. And he came to Abram. He didn't come to Abram because, he found, uh, because Abram found favor with him. God wasn't looking around for the, the guy with the best resume, the guy who was head and shoulders above everybody else. I don't know why God chose Abram. All I know is he did. And he said, Abram, I'm going to use you and your wife. You have no kids. You have no land to speak of. Nobody even knows who you are except out of, out, out of your little tiny community. I want you to get up where you are, and I want you to go to some other place. I want you to trust me. I'm going to give you a son. What you don't know right now is it's going to take a long time and you're going to doubt me sometimes, but I want you to trust me. I'm going to give you a son and make you a family. I'm going to bless you. But here's the thing. What happens to the nations of the world, the people of the world, is all tied up in how they relate to you. If they bless you, they will be blessed. If they curse you, they will be cursed. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Friends, if you want to know God, do you know what you need to pay special attention to? Abraham's family. God cares about everybody, okay? But guess what? Any of you Dutch people here? Let me, just let me see some hands, okay? There we are. Poles? All right. Swedes? I know you're all Americans. That's okay. Americans? Okay? Really? All right. Guess what? God has not uniquely chosen Dutch folks, Swedish folks, Polish folks, or American folks to bless the world. God chose one family, the Jewish family, and the story of their nation, and what came from that people, not because they were better than anybody else, because they weren't. But God chose that family to be the source of his blessing. You know what you need to do and what I need to do? If we want to know God and if we want a fresh start in our lives, we have to pay special attention to Abraham's family. That's where it will come. One last thing. God doesn't usually work like that. Have you noticed? It's a long journey. It's a long journey. Some people read the early chapters of the Bible and they put it together with science and they think the earth actually is five billion years old. And if that's true, 
Guess what I know? God takes a long time. But if you read the early chapters of Genesis more literally, guess what I'd still say? God takes a long time. God makes a promise to Abraham, and it takes decades to fulfill it. Do you like that? I don't. I hate that. I want things fixed today. You have no idea how much I want something fixed in my life today. You have no idea how much something is broken near me right now that I want fixed in a moment. And God doesn't do it that way. It's a long journey. But the one thing I know is I need to trust the God of Abraham. He's the real God. He's the kind of God who can be trusted. He's the kind of God who wants to touch other lives through other lives. He cares about you, and he wants to bless lots of other people through you. Because guess what? You are, if you know Jesus, the sons and daughters of Abraham. After church today, grab beginnings, start reading, and let's find out what God wants to say to us. Let's pray. Lord, we bow before you. We are grateful for your holy word. We're grateful for the wonder of creation and the astounding way you created everything and everyone, including us. And Lord, we look forward with hunger to the day when we will be a part of a world and we will be uh, ourselves something that, that you look at and say, this is just gorgeous. We're not there right now. And it won't come because we make it happen. We look forward to what you will begin again in the future. But Lord, at the beginning of this year, we do ask that you begin something new and fresh in us as we read about the beginnings of what you did with the human race. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.